0: Welcome to The Jesse Garcia Show, your half hour home for politics, culture, and art. We come to you every Monday with a new story about your world. Today's guest is Pauline Medrano. President of the National Association of Latino Elected and Appointed Officials, an organization made up of more than 6,000 Hispanic politicians. We'll talk about the importance of having Latinos in office, increasing Hispanic participation in the 2020 Census, her work in North Texas where she's saving tax dollars and encouraging county workers to save money, and what it takes to run a political campaign. I want to thank all of you following Jesse Garcia's Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. For more information about the show, visit jessegarciashow.com. Attention, D.C. area gente. The Latin American Youth Center is looking for amazing families and individuals who can participate in the Center's Host Homes program, which provides housing for youth ages 12 to 17 for short periods of time. This hosting program provides emergency shelter and other services to youth who are dealing with homelessness or at risk of running away from homes in Prince George's County, Montgomery County, and Washington, DC. To become a host parent, you must be 21 years old, have enough space in your home for a youth, be financially stable and able to provide for the family, go through a certification process, including background checks and training, Provide a safe and supportive home a daily stipend of $30 will be provided throughout the youth stay in your home for more information Please contact Angela Gonzalez at 301-991-4325 That's 301-991-4325 And here's your weekly news update. This year, more than 800,000 Latinos will turn 18 years old and become eligible to vote. Taking advantage of this opportunity, Unidos U.S., formerly known as National Council of La Raza, kicked off Power of 18, a voter outreach campaign geared at mobilizing eligible Latinos to register and vote in the upcoming midterm elections. This new campaign builds on the Hispanic civil rights group's history of voter education and outreach, this time leveraging an online platform, Powerof18.com, to engage a growing voting bloc, Latino youth, Unidos' U.S. President and CEO, Janet Morgia, said that the nation has witnessed over the past several months the courage, leadership, and tenacity of young people who have galvanized efforts to challenge national leaders on a number of critical issues, from DACA to gun control laws. Powerof18.com complements Unidos U.S. civic engagement campaign that includes voter boot camps and on-the-ground canvassing efforts in key states. As the voter-eligible population continues to grow, so does the need to lift the barriers to registration facing many Hispanic Americans. Are you ready to become a voter? Visit PowerOf18.com today. In 2018... Latinos make up 17% of the United States population, but our representation in Congress is dismal. We only have 36 U.S. House of Representatives out of 435 members and only four U.S. Senators out of 100 elected. One organization working to build Hispanic clout from the courthouse to the White House is the National Association of Latino Elected and Appointed Officials, also known as NALEO. Naleo is made up of more than 6,000 officials at the city, county, state, and federal level. Naleo not only professionally develops the next generation of elected officials, but the group also develops and implements programs promoting the integration of Latino immigrants into American society. One of those leaders who benefited from Naleo now leads the organization. Former Dallas City Councilwoman and current Dallas County Treasurer, Pauline Medrano, serves as the group's president. She stops by the podcast to talk about the importance of representation in politics, the 2020 census, the importance of saving money, and how to run an effective political campaign. I want to welcome to the show Pauline Medrano, uh, president of Naleo, for how many years already?
1: Okay, this is my second year. Um, I was the... um I was a chairman of the nonprofit okay. um, of Naleo Education Fund Board, and I'm the president of the um, of, of the membership. Okay,
0: so tell us about the mission of Naleo.
1: Ah, Naleo. Yeah. Naleo is, uh, stands for the National Association of Latino Elected and Appointed Official. It's the nation's uh, top nonprofit, nonpartisan organization that takes uh, folks from citizenship. To public service, what does that mean? That means that this nonprofit, nonpartisan organization is going to help helps citizens, uh, folks, to become citizens. They encourage you to become citizens. They encourage you after you're a citizen to register to vote. After you register to vote, to go out and vote each ten years, decennial. We encourage people to to make sure that you make yourself and your family get counted in the in the census. And then you become a better citizen. So then we want you to go and participate in voting. But most of all, we want you to be an informed citizen and hopefully become an interested in becoming an elected official.
0: Amazing. Uh, what are some of the major initiatives you're working on in 2018 okay, to make tw- this happen?
1: 2018. Um, here in, um, in Washington, D.C. today, um, we had our annual uh, fundraiser, which is the Edward R. Robal um, uh, Gala. That's her, one of our major fundraisers for Naleo. Uh, Congressman Ed Robal was one of the first Hispanic congressmen uh, to come to Washington. He served 33 years in, in the House of Representatives. Before that, he was a Los Angeles council member. And served there. Uh, he's a World War II veteran, um, just a person uh, before his times. You know, you often hear about the CDC in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That building is named after him. So whenever you see Wow the CDC, you will see Edward R. Roball, and that's they were named after him because he was one of the first people, one of the first. I think it is is the first to appropriate money for HIV.
0: Wow. Amazing. Amazing. A Latino.
1: A Latino. Because he cared about representing the people in his community. You know, whether young, old, sick, you know, it didn't matter to him. He wanted to represent folks. And so this service award that was uh, awarded last night, they have to have a lifetime of service, and so last night, uh, very proudly, we um, we gave the award to a congresswoman, Nidia Velasquez, out of New York, out of New York, first Latina ever to serve in the New York City Council, and first uh, yeah Puerto Rican congresswoman out of New York. So uh, um, she gave him an amazing speech. I, I think I cried like three times. <laughs> she was very emotional. Uh, she had, we had several congressional folks um, uh, come and, and say a few words on her behalf. Um, we had Senator, uh, Congressman Hoyer, and we had uh, Nancy Pelosi. We had Congressman Duffy there. We had several Congress people there, but those three are the ones that spoke on her behalf.
0: You're doing all this work at this level. Um, how do you—what do you—how is Naleo preparing— for the 2020 census to get people, because representation is key. And trying to get these communities to step up and be participating in the 2020 census, it's gonna take a lot of work. And we're undercounted, we're always undercounted. What is Nalayo doing now to prepare us in two years?
1: Uh, I was very fortunate enough to be the vice chair of the decennial census in 2010 for the whole nation. So I got to travel around the United States to see what could be done how do you get engaged, folks And naleo that's one of their their projects i'm no longer on that committee but our executive director arturo vargas is on that committee and he gives a lot of input and he's so respected in that in that committee um today earlier today we were all up on the hill speaking to different congressional folks and their staff or their staff and to talk about the funding of the census um we are so behind in the funding for the census, and it's in order for us to get a complete count in every barrio, in every colonia, in every state, we have to have uh, we have to have adequate uh, um, funding. We're already behind. Uh, this is going to be the first time in the census that we're going to do the census via the internet. Wow. So right there, you know, our community, you know nuestra comunidad we're already behind They're, Oh, everybody has you know uh, it's the
0: access it's going to be some have difficulty
1: absolutely number one i mean nuestros abuelos los viejitos uh you know pe- what if people don't have a cell phone what if they don't have a smartphone you're gonna have to go to the library what if the library is not open late that night or because
0: people work
1: people work two or three jobs two or
0: three jobs correctly
1: and you know it, the day that the library's open at night, maybe that's the day you have two jobs. Yeah. So, it's going to impact our city. So that's what we were out on the hill. We had, uh, we we um we went to different congressional offices. Uh, so I went to Senator Corning's office today. Uh, some people went to Senator Bill uh, Nelson's office. They they we covered um several offices and we talked to them about funding. Uh, one of the things that by now. The, the 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 census is taken every 10 years, okay? So on the eighth year, which would be this year, you would have at least three dress rehearsals, you know, testing, they have already had to cancel two because they didn't have appropriate uh, funding. So right now they're gonna do a testing in Providence, Rhode Island. But it's not PSAs, it's not the communication that's gonna go to the community. It's just kind of the technical part, so we don't know what could happen. This—that's why you do tests, and you know, like in a play, you do a dress rehearsal to see if you know the costumes work and the sound effects work and the lights work. This is what we want to do, and and two of them had already has had already been uh, um, canceled, so we're just going to go on one. So we're asking Congress for a 1.8 billion dollar budget for this year. To to cover you know some of those things that have to be done, Um, and then it's a lot
0: of responsibility. A lot of responsibility, and it defines who gets a piece of what.
1: Yes, and then in twenty nineteen we're asking for four point seven billion dollars. What happened in the Congress is they say in twenty twenty you only can only spend what you did in twenty ten. The only way to save money that way is to do it through the internet, but that's going to cause problems in some communities, so it's still going to have, you're going to have to pay a little bit to educate a lot of people. Now, the reason why it's so important to be counted and have an accurate count is the way you receive federal funds or grants or after-school programs or roads or bridges or new schools or it's the census, because that's the data that people go and research for the future. Let me give you an example. In 2010, Texas got four new congressional districts. Why? Because we have more population than in 2000, which was the last census. So in, in Congress, you only have 435 seats. There's never going to be more. There's never going to be less. So it's going to be someone wins, someone loses seats. Mm -hmm. Texas, very popular. A lot of people moved in. So guess what? We did a population, we did our census, and it showed that we have more people. So guess what? We have four new congressional seats. That means somebody else had to lose four Maybe one from New York or one from, you know, wherever. But somebody lost four seats. Which means a
0: a lot of funding that now goes to Texas.
1: Now it goes to Texas. That means more roads, more bridges. And that's important. Infrastructure is important because if you don't have the infrastructure, they're not going to be all neighborhoods. They're not... And neighborhoods, you've got to have rooftops. You have to have neighborhoods because once you have neighborhoods, that's when the Target comes in. That's when the Walmart comes in. That's when the library comes in. That's when the school comes in. That's when the IHOP or the Denny's or the Waffle House or a new hotel or those. That's the truth. And when um, you need a, a road or a bridge, you have to have traffic stats how many people drive through this street? Oh, it doubled. We need a wider freeway, or we need a bridge here, or the uh, that's that's what it is. You, census, deal
0: with, yeah, you deal, yeah. You deal. Go ahead.
1: No, the census basically is the bottom line. The bottom line is influence because of congressional seats and money, because money is what's going to come in from the federal government to improve your areas.
0: Staying on the subject of money, <laughs> yeah. you have a lot of experience with it. You've been Dallas County Treasurer for, has it been two? Three years. Three years? Mm-hmm. Um, you're facing, uh, you're up for re-election, yes. and apparently you're doing such a good job, you didn't get an opponent in your Democratic primary or in the general, correct? That
1: is correct. This year.
0: What what amazing things are you doing
1: <laughs> well, you know, the county treasurer uh, at least in the state of Texas, what what you do is um you're receiving and receiving all the money uh that the county collects whether somebody goes and buys a birth certificate, a death certificate, a marriage license, um you register your business, um you buy an election map, you buy an election book, uh, Whatever you you, you kind of, you spend any type of money with the county, eventually it's gonna go through my office. And so I am responsible for receiving it and depositing it. I also am the chief investment officer for the county. In other words, I'm the banker for the county. So I do investments for the county and I make sure that they're safe investments, they're diverse and um and that I make sure that I have enough money, liquidity, you know, in case we need a lot of money the next day. Um, and then I have to make sure that all the investments that I make are safe. So we've done really well in the three years I've served. Um, I also am in charge of uh, folks when they retire from the county, they have to come through my office. And then we are um, in charge of the 457B, which is a uh, deferred compensation. And um, a couple of things that I did at the beginning um of my, um, my term is, number one, I wanted to know how, what were the safeguards, the controls the office had? What did the internal auditor, um, how did they grade them, I guess you would say, our office? And I looked and I saw there needs to be improvement here. So I worked off from those um, audit reports to see how we could better improve our office in terms of controls, in terms of what we were doing in our office. That was number one. Um, When I got in there, I think we had like single space, about three and a half half pages. And that's a lot, you know. Uh, So I worked with the auditor and I said, okay, I need to have my reports not done on a, a yearly basis because that's too late. Once you make a mistake, you're going to keep on making mistakes. I said I want it done on a quarterly basis. I want to see my basically it's a report card.
0: Exactly. So you could be able to track and, and remain, improve and improve. And yeah.
1: improve. I may make mistakes, but it won't be the same mistakes. And so that's how we did it. So now I'm I'm very proud to say that we just had um, our last audit uh, this last quarter. And uh, again, single space, single space, and hot four. And I'm challenging two, so it looks like I'm just. I I they found two. Uh, Another thing that I did is I looked at our all our inventory in our office, and so I saw that we weren't recycling some things like paper clips and binders, and and so in our first in our it all adds up. It all adds up. I'm going. No wonder the office supplies store likes the Dallas <laughs> County uh, but I was able to save in the first year uh, or recycle about $30,000 worth of all that office supply so that was a to me that that was kind of a natural high for me like oh I can make a difference here the third one and I think it's really important now is to really educate our um, Dallas County employees which we have about 6,500 is to have them save money especially the young folks um, deferred comp is something that um you know you could save money before taxes and so um to, to start an account is as little as ten dollars but i encourage them to save more and they go ah oh, miss medrano i you know i i need my money and i go like oh i've seen you go to starbucks two three times a week you know <laughs> you can save some money and so what i show try to show them that A young person in their mid 20s, early 30s can save some money, a little bit of money for the next 30 or 40 years that they're working and have much more money than someone that starts saving at, say, 40 years old, even though they triple the amount that a younger person saves because they have a shorter time in, in, in receiving interest. I talk to them about you know just financial language. What's your net asset? You know your liability, your net worth, compound interest, rule of seventy-two. So I try to teach um, these young folks in these lunch and learns, and so they can uh, they can do better in terms of saving. So they'll be they'll be ready for say retirement. One uh, one out of three folks that retire do not save enough. For retirement. Now, right now, the average person that retires at, you know, say mid 60s, say they're healthy still, but eventually you need, you know, a little procedure, a little surgery here and there. The average person needs about $200,000 for medical, you know, after they retire. You don't want it to come out of your Social Security. You don't want it to come out of your pension or your other savings. So this is a really nice way to save some money, uh, get about a 3.5 interest rate, which no bank is paying, and you can you can have that saved up. And I mean, if you're healthy and you don't need it, hey, go to Hawaii every other year or something, but at least you know that you have it, that you're not you know, pressing or that you don't, you know, after your retirement have to go work, have to go work, not that you want to, but have to go work after retirement or that, you know, you hear of senior citizens, you know, cutting their their medication. Their
0: medication in half so they can survive.
1: So they can survive. So you don't want to see that. I really want folks that have retired from Dallas County to say, you know, I was afforded all the opportunities. I was educated and everything program that the Dallas County had to offer. I saved money and I'm, you know, I'm doing what I want to do in my golden years, and not have to be suffering.
0: You wear a lot of hats. <laughs> Did you think this was that the position was gonna be just dealing with you know receipts coming in when you got elected? It's it's almost like you've grown the position <laughs> to include well, so much.
1: I think that I've made it a little bit more, maybe more public. Mm-hmm. Um, I think another thing that I I'm very proud of doing is um, when you're uh, the treasurer is that you're also issuing bonds, you know, uh, municipal bonds, when, um, say, a capital improvement is necessary at the county. So one of our buildings, as a matter of fact, the building I was in, it was almost 100 years old, and it really needed to do, make some improvements. And one of our commissioner, Elva Garcia, found a little something in the books and said, we could form a blue ribbon committee to see if we need to improve it. And we did. And so they, they issued the commissioners approved uh, issuing um, um, almost a 200 million dollar bond to improve that building and others and so I had the opportunity um, to really uh, to to do an RFP that's a request for proposal uh, from uh, firms that you know that help you know issue the, the bond and I was really really proud to uh, bring in women owned firms minority firms, Uh, into the the deal and I think they underestimated this you know this Hispanic you know uh, woman from the barrio Um, we locked in at under two percent you know their takedown you know was less than usual but everyone made money you know we're gonna get almost a brand new building in this we thank Commissioner Garcia and the commissioners for doing this Uh, but I think that you know All in all, at the the bottom line, the folks that really won out were the taxpayers of Dallas County. We got a great deal, probably the best deal that Dallas County has ever had, and I'm really proud of that.
0: What do you say to the person that's thinking about running for office, the young Latina out there? Um, You've been uh, an elected official almost all your adult life. Mm What advice would you give someone considering public service?
1: Okay. I think my greatest advice is find your passion. Find what you how you want to help the public, whether it's education, whether it's city issues, whether it's county issues, whether it's policy and state, you know, wide issues. Um, find that. Learn all you can about those positions and how you can help as an elected. I think do your homework, um, find out where you live. If you live in that district that, you know, they could possibly, you know, win. I would volunteer first with an elected official to see if that's going to be my cup of tea because sometimes folks come and like, oh, my gosh, it's a hard job.
0: You can have a thick skin also.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, you have to befriend everyone. You have to be nice to everyone. <laughs> Um, and you know, some people are not going to like you. They, you don't know, they don't, I mean, not like the way you dress or the way you speak or the way you look, uh, but you've got to, you've got to go past that and really show and demonstrate to them that you're in it for the right reason, that you want to help people, that you want that office to be a better office. Than when you received it, uh, that you don't know, put yourself first, that you put yourself, um, that you put your district and your constituents first, that you do all you can to improve the system, that you stay in communication with the, the folks that you know elected you whether it's listening sessions, whether it's town hall meetings, whether it's a newsletter, whether it's a podcast, whether it, whatever it is, but make sure that the folks that elected you know exactly what you're doing um, to improve it. Once you, once you decide to do that, I, I would form a kitchen cabinet. Someone that's not afraid to tell you no. Uh, someone that's going to tell you, hey, Um, maybe you didn't say this right. You could have said it another way because they're trying to help you. A group of advisors. Yes. uh, You know, that, that you can, you can trust and they might tell you, hey, you know, red's not your color or (laughs) blue's not your color or, you know, change this. Um, it's their opinion. You, you can do whatever you want to, but at least you've got some type of feedback. So, um, you feel good about what you're doing. Are you on the right track? I think the listening sessions are really good, too, because you you've listened to folks. And so when you go in and cast a vote or, you know, approve a budget, you feel good about what you vote on because you've already gotten your marching orders from from your from your constituents.
0: Another thing is they should seek board positions and commissions. Yeah. I benefited mm-hmm. by being my one of my first appointments was to a city board that you put me on in Dallas, the permit and licensing board. And it was a lot of work. And uh, and it was interesting work because I got to see what goes on behind the scenes on how things function. And, and, and how it's important that we, before our business go up, what we think about the crime level that it may or may not bring and the resources that are going to be put to keep that area safe if this building, uh, permit gets issued. So thank you for that opportunity. It helped me in my leadership skills, and it got me to appreciate public service in, in a different light.
1: Sure, I, I think it, it, on when I was on the city council, I had eighteen personal appoint appointments, and of course, you were one of them. Uh, and you know, they they rank from really low appointments to some that are, you know, like they say the plum of the appointments. Uh, but there's rules too. I mean, you know, there's conflict rules, there's attendance rules, um, and then you can grow in the leadership in those boards you'll kind of get a taste of what, you know, because you're an appointee. So you get a taste of uh, of leadership. Do you like this? Do you not like this? I always tell people also, volunteer for an elected official. My dad, the late Bancho Medrano, would always say, the best time to get to know your elected officials is when you don't need anything. <laughs> you know, go and, you know, find out when their birthday is and, you know, leave them a birthday card or leaving them a, a note, you know, happy birthday or... It's always really nice for them to know their constituents and what your priorities are, because when they see you at the mall or the cleaners or at a restaurant, they go like, hey, Joe, I voted for the, you know, whatever you think you needed, because that's constantly on their mind.
0: Well, I want to thank you, Pauline, for coming on the podcast today and sharing all your, your wonderful history and for keeping the Medrano legacy alive by being involved in public service.
1: I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Uh, it was a joy. It was a joy to always come to, to Washington and, and see you and, and have dinner and, and just share uh, what we're doing in Dallas. Uh, it's it definitely my pleasure. Um, As an elected official, we like to serve, and I think it's really important to let folks know what you're doing out in the community. Thank you, Pauline, very much.
0: Thank you, Paul.